Hey, all you seekers of excellence, this is your boy, Nathan Crankford, the founder of Seeking Excellence Ministry. And today we have part two uh, from Instagram to engagement with my dear fiance, Emily Harpole. And we just get down and dirty into the weeds of our story, sharing with you everything from when Emily got COVID in October, basically up until the actual engagement story to kind of close things out. And today's I thought was really good just because I feel like we share a lot of really good hard-earned lessons along that we learned we picked up along the journey so i hope that you really enjoy it and please uh reach out let us know how you feel about it and i hope you uh just get a lot from it god bless you were never out of the fight you were created for a time such as this you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom, to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ, to be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, part two. Yay. It's great to have you with me. Hey, happy to be here. As always, you're often with me. You're often here, but it's great to have you with me on the podcast. I do I do sit in the other room sometimes while you're recording, which is fun too. So I'm, I'm often true. with you in spirit on a lot of these podcasts. Amen. I'm not here, so. Amen to that. So we're excited to do part two. We only got through a bunch of the stuff last time, but not all of the stuff last time. So here's the rest of the stuff. We're pumped. We are very excited. And you know, it's been such a fun time. I think being able to even just reminisce and go through the story, you know, together and trying to like, we have a little bit of an outline, but just trying to recall everything and, you know, lay out kind of what happened and what led us to this point has been enjoyable and uh, challenging in its own ways as well. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I think that's something that we both realized was a good kind of disclaimer as well, is that in order to be real with everybody and in order to not have this kind of false facade of, of how beautiful our relationship has been, which it has been really beautiful in so many ways, we, um, you know, did last podcast, beautiful, not perfect. Beautiful, not perfect yeah. We did last podcast and we are doing this podcast today, you know, completely unscripted. We made bullet points of the key aspects of our relationship and key events in our relationship. We mostly made it unscripted because we kind of just wanted to recall and be real with that. And so with that, if there's ever anything that kind of comes off and that might be, you know, you don't know what we're talking about or different things like that, or, or don't understand where we're coming from in different ways, something that we think is just really beautiful and that we hope to dive into today is that we've experienced so much grace and beauty and forgiveness, especially in this last half of our relationship so far. 
um, that it makes talking about the harder times so much easier. And almost like we didn't have to put too much thought into talking about those things because we've found so much healing and forgiveness and grace from the Lord, which I'm excited to dive into today. Um, because I remember when we finished recording last time, I was kind of like, man, that sounded like a, a downer, you know, <laughs> like, like all these different things girl. for the hype girl. Yeah. I was just like, man, that was kind of like a downer, but it was real. A lot of what we experienced and whatnot, but we've experienced so much beauty, especially lately, which we're excited to dive into in our own relationship, in our relationship with other people in our life and everything like that. Um, but it's been really a great ride. So we're pumped to talk about that. Absolutely. And I think just in regards to speak on behalf of seeking excellence and what we try to accomplish here. Cause I think people, I, I think the majority of people who listen, not that you're not one of them, cause you do listen to uh, the podcast as well, but people know that I am very challenging and real and honest about what I see in the world, what I've personally experienced. And I think there's enough in the world, uh, especially in the world, in the Catholic world that tries to be um, very, you know, present themselves or, or the situations in ways that are can seem unattainable. You know, we have like this almost like celebrity status with certain people or this like glory glorified, you know, look about how we like to see situations. And I think we lose a lot of people in the church because we're not transparent enough about the struggles that we're facing and we don't address the struggles that everyday people are facing. And so that's something that we at Seeking Excellence are very, very committed to trying to avoid doing and trying to be real and inspirational and practical and everything that we talk about. So it's a challenging thing, you know, but I talk a lot about the ugliness in the world. I like to talk about the ways that I've contributed to that ugliness and the ways that I have seen, um, you know, it just take place in my own life. And I played a big part of that, you know, and it's, it's hard to acknowledge that, let alone talk about it. And so it, it is really hard, but I think that it's worth it for the sake of the kingdom because, you know, I've just been really inspired recently by a Father Mike Swiss podcast I listened to where he talks about our scar stories. And it just made me think a lot about, you know, Jesus being humiliated on the cross. And as you look upon it, we have a crucifix on the table here. You know, it's just like, when was the last time I was humiliated for Jesus, you know, or for the church, for the sake of the gospel? And it doesn't happen that often to me. And so it's, it's an honor, I think, and a privilege. And not for everybody, but I think for me and, you know, for us to a certain extent, a, a duty to be humiliated to a certain extent for the sake of the cross. And so I think... Um, yeah. So I hope that people, I, I think we've gotten a lot of great feedback, you know, from people who have really just enjoyed the transparency and the realness of it and trying to share some of the struggles. And even from here on out, even though it takes a bit of a turn, there's obviously some real downtimes that we've had, mm -hmm. you know, we've just been able to really have them more together, you know, and on the same team, as opposed to trying to figure out how, uh, I guess, to mash our two lives together. Yeah, you know what I mean? Totally. So let's talk with the first <laughs> uh, setback that became a blessing. There you go. Yeah, I think this is where we kind of laid or left off last time. Came back from the wedding. Um, we came back from the wedding and I found out that I had the coronavirus, um, tested positive for that. And I, when I, I guess before I tested positive, I couldn't taste anything, couldn't smell anything. And I was immediately freaking out because, you know, I am a worrier, right? I'm aware of that. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard, so I've heard. <laughs> I'm really worried. I think some big uh, crosses that I've had to bear, especially in recent years or things that I've like always um, struggled with is feeling like I'm a burden on other people or that I've done things to um, hurt other people or make them have to like go through some sort of struggle or anything like that. And in certain circumstances, I've kind of been used to 
being also told that I was a burden on other people, if that makes sense, or, or, um, that I was at fault for things that are out of outside of my control. And so I was super anxious when I found out, when I realized that I couldn't taste or smell anymore. And, um, I remember just going to call Nathan and I was just had this pit in my stomach and I was like, Oh, he's going to be so mad at me. He's going to have to tell all his friends. We were with his family. Like we were, I had just met like a few of his family members for the first time, including his grandparents who are elderly. And I was like, he's going to be so mad, you know, the couple that we went to their wedding was leaving for their honeymoon in 24 hours. Yeah. They, they hadn't left yet and all these different things. And I was like, man, it's my fault. Everybody's going to be mad at me, all this different stuff, which in reality, it was completely out of my control. And we have no idea where I caught the virus (laughs) or anything like that. Um, so I go to call Nathan and I just have this pit in my stomach and, um, the way he reacted and the way he handled, the news was so, I don't know how to describe dignifying. And, um, he just honored me through it all and just really loved me through it all. And was kind of like, Hey, it's going to be okay. And I still remember you saying so many times, it's not your fault. Like there's Mm. no way this is your fault. Like goodwill hunting. Yeah. And I just, so it was such a little thing and it was such a little thing to be told, but it had so many roots and so many years of, um, or it it touched a nerve of so many years of kind of hurt and feeling that I had, um, yeah, had those wounds and different things. You know, that's something that I've often talked about a lot is struggling with feeling like I was a burden on other people or trying to like doing all I can to not burden other people in my life. And here I am like having this huge virus and having just been around a lot of people who, you know, were at risk and whatnot. And, um, you in that moment just totally protected me and guarded me in that and even guarded me from my own thoughts and feelings of those things. And it was definitely a turning point for in that moment. What else do you kind of remember? I guess. Yeah, it was big. I mean, first praise the Lord for, for that, just all of the things that led up to that, you know, there's a ton of growth that had to happen there because Mm -hmm. I was for many years of my life, you know, just a huge reactor to Mm -hmm. situations and to something not going my way. And, just being really frustrated and lashing out on people, you know, I would have been mm-hmm. one of those people who would have contributed that to, to that in your life previously, you know, and it was just through a lot of prayer and a lot of grace that most of the time now I'm able to respond instead of react. And I think that's something that we all have to try to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And even when we think about things like worry or fear or anger, right. Like I think they're all emotional reactions typically to things and not really a response to something. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that I think was really big in that moment was just being able to stop and think like, okay, you know, because I remember you, you were thinking like, oh, what if I give it to somebody else? I'm, or where did I get it from? What if I give it to somebody else? I'm like, everybody we've been with that you weren't wearing a mask, they weren't wearing a mask. It's like, you could have given it to them. They could have given it to you, mm-hmm. you know? And so we were kind of like, everybody's kind of taking their chances now. And everybody mm-hmm. knows that if you're going out at all, or if you're going out without a mask on, or you're going mm-hmm. to a wedding or whatever. And so I think there's being re- reasonable in that, but I, I really think it was one of the finer moments where we had a beautiful combination of our masculinity and femininity Mm -hmm. you know where you were worried about the other people who you might have hurt and I was able to like generally lead and be like okay we need to let people know Mm -hmm. you know we need to handle that like Mm -hmm. we need to respond to that that need and that worry that you have for other people not to sit here and let it fester Mm -hmm. you know like let's respond and and make a plan for that and it was uncomfortable we were nervous you know what I mean Mm -hmm. to let people know and stuff but Mm -hmm. um yeah just doing that was really good and I think it was just a beautiful moment for us to kind of be like wow this is I really like this person. Yeah. You know, I felt so protected in that moment. I remember. And just like, um, even if still in my head, I thought that I was at fault or I was blaming myself or if anybody, even your family would have gotten sick. And 
like gotten seriously sick, you know, I probably would have been so upset about it whatnot, right. but I was so grateful for the way that you handled that and the way that you kind of protected me in that. And, um, yeah, it was a really pivotal moment, but the next few weeks, next two weeks or so, um, when we were in quarantine, quarantine. Oh <laughs> man. When I almost lost my mind, he almost lost his mind. Um, yeah, it was, it was, while it was really hard and we were, we were quarantined and different things like that, you know, um, we were able to spend some time together in the evenings, just given our different living situations and whatnot. It made more sense for us to like spend some time together in the evenings and different things. And when we were alone for, you know, every, every night we were for the two only weeks, human yeah. contact yeah, in the person only human we had with, other, you know, for two weeks, for two weeks. Yeah. And we spent every evening together then all day on the weekends pretty much. Yeah. When we were, when we had all this time together and it was like the first time that we were really, really spending time together. And, you know, I talked about this a lot in my, la- in the last podcast of um, these attachments that I had uh, to certain people in my past and to certain expectations I had for the person that would come into my life. And I've talked a lot about that and all these things really, really came to a head in that time of quarantine. I think, um, you know, you had kind of called me out on how those attachments, how you had noticed those attachments in, in ways that I had spoken about other things. And mm, I forgot about that. Yeah. Spoken about other men and, and different things like that. And you'd kind of shared how that was really hurting you and how that was really affecting mm. you. And I, I still remember even, I think it was at the wedding or it might've been while we were, while we were you know, together during that time, but, um, you kind of expressed that you were tired. You were, you felt like you were kind of giving everything and I wasn't giving anything in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. that like you had really been trying in this, in this relationship, but I had just been trying to find your faults or different things like that. And yeah, almost, almost like feeling like it was seeking for a reason to, mm-hmm. for it to not work. For it to not work out. Yeah. You know, yeah. Which gets tiring after a while for sure. And he just looked at me and he was like, I'm just tired, you know? And I, I, I don't know what it was, but it started to just really hit me about how, um, I, well, there, and there's another conversation. The one big pivotal conversation I remember is you were talking about certain, certain people who had hurt me in the past, like us other, um, men and different things like that. And, you said, I moved across the country for you. I didn't just oh, you know, yeah. mess with your emotions for a while, or I didn't just, um, you know, run away from you or anything like that. I moved across the country for you. Cause we're kind of in this comparison game. Yeah. Of we like, oh, well, going back and forth and yeah. I was comparing with these attachments and all these different things. And there's just one night where that came up and I was like, dang, like, it was just like a, a knife to the heart <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of, of recognizing and putting yeah. these things into perspective and whatnot. And I really go back to that time of, um, yeah, the coronavirus and all these different things of me realizing, realizing these attachments and then also coming face to face with how you served me so well in that time when I was in such a low place and I was so upset. Um, we were both in a pretty low place after a while of, of just being alone and different things. And um, yeah, that was the moment where I started to really pray to the Lord to get rid of these attachments I had and to wake up every day and choose you and to choose to be with you. And, and I knew that if I, if I chose to be with you and I chose to focus on you, the person who was physically right in front of me, not people of the past or fake people of my imagination or anything mm-hmm. like that. I knew that if I took the time to choose you and pay attention to you, then the Lord would show me if you were the right person for me or not. And right. very obviously you are. Here we are. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But that was, those were some of the conversations that only that time of like being almost like weak emotionally and physically yeah. and all those different things and that broken down and and kind of finally getting to the root of these issues that we had 
had that we had just been bouncing around. And we finally had these conversations of like you expressing that I was hurting you, you know, and, and me realizing what was the root of me, like hurting you, I guess. And it was those attachments. It was those expectations. And, um, yeah, man. Yeah. Getting to the root of it, I think is such a big thing, Yeah, you know, cause I think for a while we had kind of had indirect arguments about these things. And I I'm very, very big on, just like I was talking about at the beginning of trying to say, okay, how can we respond to the situation means like, what is the root cause of the problem? Like, what is our action plan that we're going to actually take to try to solve this issue? And so I thought about it for a long time, you know, I was trying to think about, um, you know, like what, what is kind of like going on within me that's making me, cause I wasn't, I mean, I'm far from treating you the best, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> back then during that time. Cause I was visibly frustrated and I was angry all the time. And I'm just like, why am I feeling this way? You know? And so I think it took, a ton of maturity on both sides, you know, and I'm very grateful for, um, for the way that you responded to me finally sharing that with you. But it really took, I think for, for men, a lot of times we have to uh, take a second to really analyze and think about and ponder, why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? What is it that's causing me to feel this way? Am I justified in feeling this way or not? You know, because our emotions are indicators, right? And they mm-hmm. can be wrong or they can, you know, malfunction sometimes and we can overreact to things. We can get angry about things we shouldn't or whatever it is. And I think I had to stop and ponder and be like, okay, what is causing me to feel this way? And then I kind of, you know, was able to point to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talk a lot, you know, in our other podcasts or, and just in general about the feminine genius and, and women creating the space and, the the power and influence that women have you know you, t- you hear all the time behind every great man is a even greater woman like that that is not only to empower women but you also have to understand the responsibility that that creates mm-hmm. you know speaking to the women out there of like you really do kind of create the environment right mm-hmm. and it's not 100 percent on the woman like the guy can ruin the environment the guy mm-hmm. can come into a beautiful home and track the dirty mud you know through mm-hmm. it and flip everything up and and tear it up but there's definitely a responsibility on both parties to say, okay, we're having these issues here. Like just to have the humility to stop and say, okay, how can I be contributing to this? And if I, if I come to the conclusion that I feel like I'm not the source of it and I'm like genuinely like, Emily, I think if we stop doing this one thing, you know, like we could really solve a lot of what I'm being, you know, pushed to anger and, and treating you. And I don't want to, you know, be as pursuing you or, you know, as lovely to you when I feel this way and I'm really struggling with this, can you help me to avoid these situations where I feel like this? Mm -hmm. And your response was yes. You know what I mean? And things changed immensely from that point forward. For sure. And I was honestly just explaining this to another girl that I was working with the other day, actually yesterday. Um, I was talking to somebody who was asking me questions about like discerning the right person and, Mm -hmm. um, and knowing these things. And, um, I told her, you know, something that somebody said to me when I was not dating anybody, but I was like having different attractions to different guys or whatnot. And they told me to write down the qualities that I liked in the men in my life. Right. So write down all these qualities and, and, you know, people always talk about having your list of qualities that you are attracted to in another person, um, potentially, and, and especially in a potential, um, future spouse, you know, and to have these things, um, and to, and to have your non-negotiables and all those different things. But I think the biggest problem or, or difficulty or I guess issue that might come up is becoming too attached to some of those things. Mm -hmm. And I think in my experience, what I saw is that I was really attached to certain, certain ways that these qualities I was attracted to. So, okay. There were these qualities I was attracted to, and I was very attached to certain ways that those qualities are lived out. Does that make sense? So I was almost like attached to a certain manifestation of all these different qualities that I thought were attractive. 
Can you give an example of that? Um, like masculinity or different things like that. So like, um, like a very masculine person and mm-hmm. whatnot. I would say like I was attracted to a certain kind of. I don't know how to describe it. Of, of like, oh, saying the, I'm feminine. No, 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 no. Here's where I'm getting at it. Get out of here, Nathan. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a weird way to tell me it. No. Get out of here. <laughs> so okay, like, uh, yeah. This is this is a good one for you because your masculinity and your your strength and and different things like that is something that I have always been attracted to in yeah. you, right? But there have been some like rough around the edges aspects of it uh, I that see. were like hard do you see where I i'm going see. with this now yes that were hard for me to recognize that are hard sometimes that are hard for people to accept <laughs> or yeah. to recognize or like driving the- too fast on the back roads of <laughs> kansas <laughs> missouri missouri we were in missouri yeah. um anyways that's funny but you know they're they like i love your masculinity but there were yeah. aspects of like being really rough around the edges or or just um so passionate like oh, you're such a good. passionate yeah. person and different things like that that as soon as i got past my expectation of how masculinity or strength or power would be lived out in my future spouse like i had i don't even know what my expectations were for that right yeah. but as soon as i kind of let go of what i had imagined you know in my fake imaginary imaginary world right right and i started to see how you lived it out in real life you know yeah that was when i started to see how you know, you were everything I was looking for. You, you had all these qualities I was looking for and then some, right. And it didn't necessarily look like what I expected it to look like. And it didn't necessarily look like, like our, you know, the way we talked about things or the way we did things together, different things like that didn't necessarily look like this. And, And I'm glad it didn't look like that because what I had in mind was an imaginary thing. It wasn't reality. Right. Yeah. And, um, so I worry that too often we become attached to those that to our imagination of what thing, how uh, a certain yeah. person is going to live out a quality that we like, you know, rather yeah. than be open to how a real person in front of you, a person that God has brought into your life in such a clear way, you know, how they live it out and 100%. then be able to see that. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's the, I mean, it's the value of emotional virtue, right? Right. And mm-hmm. something that you were very cautious to me about at the beginning when mm-hmm. I was telling Emily how amazing I thought she was very early on. <laughs> And you're like, I just don't want you to think I'm perfect and then meet me and then I'm not perfect. And yeah, you're pretty close. <laughs> no. pretty, I always tell her she, you're pretty perfect looking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, but I think. Or he always says you're not perfect, but you're as good close, as it gets. You're as good as it gets, baby. <laughs> that's what he always says. That's right. And so I think that that's the thing, right? Is having that emotional virtue and that realistic sense of, you know, that even goes back to like different fights that we've had. And we get so dramatic and be like, mm-hmm. you know, should, should we break up now? And it's just like, sometimes that's true, right? Some mm-hmm. people let it get you have to kind of know which side you're airing on. Right. And that's kind of like to find the virtue and the mean, right. To say, okay, this isn't going to be imperfect, but it also doesn't need to be terrible. Right. Right. And so right. some people will let stuff be horrific. Cause they're just like, nobody's perfect. Or I see the best in people. And it's like, no, you're being dumb sometimes <laughs> literally, yeah, no, you know? Sure. And then on the other side of that, sometimes it's like, dude, you're like crossing, you know, <laughs> like yeah. eliminating people because they like tie their tie, you know, wrong or something <laughs> like that. Right. We just, we can be so judgmental. I mean, I struggle being judgmental mm-hmm. people all the time um just being judgmental in general and yeah. so we can do that to friends we can do that to significant others we do that to our family members right Workers, yeah. yeah authors yeah. like literally like we turn down so much content because it's like this person yeah. has one opinion i disagree with you know and it's like we don't do that so i think emotional virtue is big there the other thing that you really reminded me of is kind of like we talk about the four personalities or you think of like any temperament or you know those types of things right like choleric sanguine all that yeah. stuff 
is that they do a really good job of giving you the strengths and the weaknesses of both of those things. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's the same way you like Myers-Briggs, right? Like they right. give you your temperament or your personality. And it's like, these are your strengths and weaknesses. And oftentimes we want the strengths without the weaknesses right. when we find the other person. Right. So it's like, you want somebody who's like masculine and a man and all these things. And it's like, but now he's kind of wild, you know? Yeah. And it's like, but I want, it's the, it goes back <laughs> to the, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Bo, um, Bo Burnham. Uh-huh. The remember the guy like he's a comedian and he's playing the piano. He's like, you want a half good, half bad, half right. boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Right. It's like he, you know, he's singing this song and we have to watch it because I watched it again the other day yeah. and on the full YouTube video he does a second verse about guys with women. Really? Yeah. Oh, and so the first verse perfect. is about girls and their un, un, unrealistic expectations of men. Yeah. And, and then the, the second verse he does the opposite. It's funny. so funny, but it's like we all do this, right? You know, you want this like perfect person, and I think that's why so many people. And, you know, um, I mean, there's a big, there's a lot of reasons to go into this, but I would say 10 to 20% of the reason why people get married so late is that we really do think that there's this like perfect perfect person person out there in this perfect story. And then it turns out that you get to this like pressure moment where you start getting older and you're like, all right, maybe I don't need a perfect person. You almost feel like you're settling when you're really not. Yeah. Right. It's just like, nobody's perfect. Right. Like we just have this unrealistic expectation. It's this beautiful balance between. Yeah. Cause if you, I mean, if you grew up, grow up going to Catholic talks and you grew up going to these speakers and all these different things, right. They always tell, especially women, they always say like, don't settle, like, you know, have those different things. And it's, and it's so true to not settle and to have your non-negotiables and especially in things like of morals and faith and, and just, you know, generally respect or anything like that. But you have to be wary of focusing too much on people's faults. And that's what I was doing with you. Like clear as day. That's what I was doing is I was, I was not, I was so blind to all the aspects of you that were so perfect for me and were everything that I was looking for. Mm. Um, because I was focused so much on these like little things and vice versa. And, but, yeah. and I did the same, you yeah. know what I mean? And so many, so many circumstances, right. so many ways, you know, yeah. uh, you, you, we talk about your worry or something like that, you yeah. know, and then we just try, always try to find that balance of, <laughs> you know, like making the decision, making the action plan with you bringing to the table, like yeah. how things might be affecting people and all that stuff. Yeah. Right? He would just for like a funny story. Now looking back, it's kind of funny if, um, he would, if, if he ever did something like, like one little thing, I'm trying to think of an example. Like if you didn't turn off the TV when I walked into the room or something like that, yeah. I'd be like, you're going to be a terrible father. Like, <laughs> like, how are you going to pay attention to our kids? If you, oh, you know what yeah. I mean? I remember but on the like, way to Top Golf. Yeah, there was something like that. But I it's wanted just, to read in the mornings. Yeah, or something. Instead of talking. <laughs> Which is so silly, but like in my mind, you That's know, really I funny. am worried about it. I'm like always thinking about like, is this a good person to raise my kid? You know, like you have all these different things and sometimes you just got to give yourself a little slack and you have to give the other person a little slack and be like, they want what's good, you know? Yeah. Um, and show me the beauty of who this, of the, who this person is. And like, recognizing yeah. it's okay to be different. Oh yeah. That's another big thing. Cause right? that's, I mean, in the end, what the, what's the big tension is you're bringing together two very different people with very different backgrounds, very different stories, experiences, experiences, desires, even in yeah. some ways, you and know, those kind of things or expectations for what marriage will look like. Expectations of what family life will look like. You're bringing these people together. So there's going to be tension. Right. And that's why it's so, I do believe in a sense, like some of the tension we experienced is so normal, but the beauty has been us being able to overcome it yeah, and, and persevere. And then now, you know, so many of those things don't come up hardly ever anymore. In right. Yeah. We figured out like, ways to do it. Yeah. yeah. And we figured out, like I figured and out we're ways still that, adjusting though. Exactly. Like we're yeah. still constantly making yeah. adjustments because life's always changing. And I've figured out ways 
to give to you a little more and like things that you like or and vice versa and we'll get to that more but yeah that's that I think that all really started and it all clicked in my head in those moments when we were just kind of in that dark yeah. place and we were having those tough conversations and you know what one of the things I always share when I'm talking about being judgmental which is what I feel like both of us had done to each other in that circumstance of being like Oh, is this person going to be a good father because he wants to, you know, spend some quiet time alone in the morning or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, is I think one, one of the things I always try to share this when with judgmental, with just being judgmental is always trying to take it around and like looking in the mirror and evaluating yourself on the same criteria. Mm. Right. Cause I think that was one of the things that kind of broke us out of that was like, I was like, you know, there's some things that you do yeah, that make totally. me question, but I don't bring it up all, you know what yeah. I mean? But I don't feel the need to say that. Yeah. And we're discerning and I understand that we're discerning each other, but like, we like talking about it in that way yeah. of like doubting my future fatherhood isn't helpful or fruitful for us, but I was doing something similar to us. I had just kind of reconciled it within myself a little bit sooner. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But we were both doing it, but I think it's just so important every time you get judgmental towards anybody, like not even just like turning it in, like doing some self-reflection, but really praying about it. Right. You know, like I see somebody and I'm being judgmental with the way they're behaving during mass or right because of their political opinion, right? Is one of my right. go-to mm -hmm. favorites for being judgmental. And then I just, you know, I go to the chapel sometimes and I'm just like, Lord, just all of my opinions and everything, like I just give everything to you and I just want you to form all of my thoughts, everything that I do. In what ways am I not being reverent during mass? Mm -hmm. In what ways am I holding on to false beliefs, you know? Mm -hmm. And just truly humbly, you know, praying litany of humility and walking through that and being like, Lord, like, how am I doing that? You know, the stuff that I'm frustrated with Emily for doing, like show me where like my flaws are and yeah. it's like how am I contributing to this problem you yeah. know and this nobody people don't want to pray that because it's really hard yeah you know you gotta take a lot of responsibility but I think the last part I want to say about this before we move on and, and unless you have something else is um going back to just like the stuff you said that you hear at conferences and stuff to women right mm -hmm. one one talk that you know we should put in the show notes is the seek talk from Sarah yeah. Sarah Swafford in 19? Uh, it was 2019. So yeah. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And she did a women's and a men's one. And the men's, the men's one, one is the greatest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. It's so, so good. And I loved it. And the thing that you just made me think about with that is that in the church today, too often, we've, we've I mean, we've talked about this before of feminism affecting the church, like modern mm -hmm. day feminism, like negative, you know, mm -hmm. like horrible, like pretty much evil feminism mm -hmm. affecting the church in so many ways and i think one of the main ways that that's happened is you have this like girls like don't settle don't let him use you and all that stuff and it's like you know sarah was the first person i ever heard say this and it really really hit me and i really started to understand so much of my unchaste past in relationships you know what i mean is that like we're getting used too mm, men yeah yeah men you know what i mean used. and like the intentions are different and maybe the driving forces are different between you know, emotional or physical pleasure or whatever it might be. But it's like, like, ladies, you're not off the hook, right? Yeah, like, it's not totally. just always the guy's fault. And you think about the movies you watch, right? Like, if you see The Simpsons, right? I remember always thinking this and everybody loves Raymond. Um, it's just like the dumb guy, the dumb, the dumb friend is always a guy, right? You know what I mean? Right. Like, even thinking about like Seinfeld and Kramer, right? Like, yeah. the, the weirdo, the, the goofy one is always a dude, right? Like, think, I think about like Big Bang Theory, right? Like, it's like the, the goofballs are almost always guys and the, the all, they're always the ones making mistakes and doing something stupid. And like, don't think that that stuff doesn't affect us. Yeah. It affects men and it affects women. Yeah. It makes men shut down and think, well, I'm just a dumb one. I can't do anything. I can't do anything right. And it makes a lot of women. And I've experienced this in dating in the past, which is something that I've loved about dating you that I haven't experienced nearly to the scale that I've experienced it in the past, you know, only in minimal ways in 
certain periods of time that we've mm-hmm. already talked about is this idea of like, you can't win. Right. Like a lot of times guys get set up in games and relationships where it's like, you legitimately can't please. Like a lot of women out there are not pleasable yeah. to a certain extent. And there's a lot of guys and I talk to women all the time about guys and I'm not trying to make this an anti-woman rant yeah. because I talk about guys and like men are not, we're not holding our own in spiritual stuff. We're not, you know, stepping up and leading in the way that we ought to. We're not, there's not an abundance of good men. I always say that there's more good women out there than there are good men right now. But I think women really need to take a little bit looking at themselves and say, in regards to what we talked about earlier with the creating the environment of, are we actually creating a space for men to win, Mm. for men to grow and be men and lead and be successful and uh, just be strong men of God. And I don't think that we are. And so like, while I have the empathy with a lot of women out there who are looking for a good man, that can't find them. I do think in a lot of ways, all of us, myself included, have contributed to there being this negative environment that doesn't foster growth for men. Right. And we feminize the church in so many ways. We feminize so many things that it's like, you know, I, I can't, I don't put all the blame on the men. Like a lot of people right. do and just think men are just screwing it up. It's like, no, yeah, we're, we're, nobody's doing what we're supposed to right now. And we saw that in our own experience of how, when I was finally kind of able to let go of a lot of those things and, you know, and I was a, I like religiously went to all the talks and I religiously thought about all these things and I, right. and I prayed about them and I have, you know, all these notes and whatnot. Um, when I started to let go of some of those kind of more negative connotations and whatnot, um, it made, it was, you seemed so much freer to pursue me and so much freer to like enter into just like the kind of the beauty of that relationship. And that's what we found, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And we always talk about that. There was like great power in my ability to check myself and be more open, I guess. And influence it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wasn't perfect in it all, you know? And there were times that I would fall back into same habits and different things and right. whatnot but um we've talked about that a lot it's just like it like in a sense it was not that it was all on me but it, there was a huge aspect of me being able to like yeah take control of that I guess in my yeah. own life in my own mind it's it's so interesting and and we've kind of read we both read like half of the book of love and respect which mm-hmm. I pretty much feels like the whole book so it gets super redundant but yeah love and respect it's crazy how many stories in that book and many books like it yeah are most of the turnaround stories are women like female led. Yeah. And it's not the women leading their relationship, but it's just them changing in the way that they respect their men. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about respect the men as in like, you don't speak unless spoken yeah. to in like some crazy, you know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, yeah, Sharia law type stuff. I'm talking about just like creating a respectful, like, Hey, I believe in you. Hey, I'm proud of you. Hey, yeah. you know, not tearing them down mentally. Them up. Yeah. And verbally, yeah. because if you do that, I'm telling you, it's crazy the way that it happens. And so both sides sitting down to be like, Hey, you know, how can I love you better? Hey, how can I respect you? How can I help you to be a, a better man? And like actually having that conversation and be like, how this is, if you want to change your relationship, ladies with a brother, friend, boyfriend, husband ask, in what ways am I discouraging you from being the best man you can be? Yeah. Because if you do, I'm telling you, it is a game changer. Like I remember opening up and I just remember in past relationships feeling like, I don't want to, I'm like, can we stop fighting? Can you stop being so negative so that I can like plan something for your birthday? Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, you, like it's, it's so hard to pursue somebody who's just going to tear you down and point at the flaws of whatever right. you did anyways, Exactly. you know? And so that's why it's been so easy doing that with you because you, you do the, the very opposite of that 99% of the time, yeah. you know, you, which is as good as it gets, which thank is why you. I say that. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Hey, thank you. So now that we focused on that for like, yeah, now that we did have the podcast okay, on quarantine, but but <laughs> on two weeks, but it was <laughs> so really pivotal. it was a, it was a really it was pivotal. a turnaround. Yeah, point. yeah. So and like all us, of that that we just talked about, just like came like from that. Yeah, from that know? time, and it really happened over the next time, two months. Yeah, 
but was in our time reflecting and yeah. being in the quiet being in the you know yeah having to think about it and all. it was miserable it was, yeah. during it like it wasn't <laughs> it was fun, fun having those conversations right it wasn't like quarantine was awful yeah i was like i was struggling i was in this new place i'd lived in here for two weeks i hate this apartment now i hated it then <laughs> in this old college in dorm. A dorm yeah so it's, it's, it's just rough you know yeah. and so i like i had nice apartments before this and i'm just like man this really really isn't fun yeah. and i was like i mean i was struggling and it just got cold out so we like couldn't really go couldn't out for go walks out. and yeah, stuff like that. that and it so was it was bummer. tough man i mean it snowed and like but iced. we got out of it and it was like boom let's get boom. it yeah and let's you know this i guess to keep moving forward right <laughs> We don't have that many bullet points left, which is yeah, kind of nice, gone. but they were big things that were, were good and stuff. And, um, the, the semester kind of came to a close, um, and Nathan, we went to freaking Florida. We went to Florida. let's go Captiva, baby. Nathan's the best week of Nathan's life. Second best, second week. best week of Nathan's maybe tied for first. Yeah. Which he always talks about. Um, our honeymoon will be the best week. Yeah. There you go. And a half. My parents were super gracious and they wanted to take a family vacation and they also really wanted to get to know Nathan and, um, so they got this fun house in Florida awesome. yeah. <laughs> and we went down there with my siblings and my siblings, um, uh, significant others at the time. And, um, we just had a great week and that was really pivotal for me because my family is really important to me and yeah. it was a big part of my life and they just fell in love with Nathan as and, I vice versa. and Nathan fell in love with them. Like everybody's just super comfortable with each other to the point of like, yeah. Like we always joke about, I just love how comfortable everybody is with Nathan. And like my brother came in at 1145 a few nights ago <laughs> to ask for laundry detergent. That's how comfortable he is with Nathan, right. which is great. You know, like, and I think so many of the roots of that came from that trip to Florida yeah. of us being together. Oh, definitely. Having that time down it there. It was so good. It yeah. was such a blast. We had so many, we had, at this point, we were having correction conversations together and asking those questions of like, yeah, kind of like a check-in two yeah, months we after we had this tough, yeah, yeah. Two, two weeks or six weeks, seven weeks after this, you know, quarantine period. Now we're having conversations where it's like, how can we improve? Like, how can I love you more? You yeah. know, while we're walking on the beach and I praying the rosary. I and remember stuff. that we were walking, there was like a sunset and we were yep. walking on the beach and we had like a, a good conversation. But like nobody's like, mad. Yeah. Right. Like nobody's really hurting. Like right. maybe our love tanks aren't at a hundred percent, but we're, you know, we're, we're in the green. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're just like, yeah, I could, I could use a little bit of this or yeah. And it's awesome. And that's how it's been pretty much since then. Since then. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that I mean, I, yeah, I would say since then. For sure. Yeah. So that was awesome. Uh, Christmas came up and we were separated for uh, that time. Like we weren't together. You were with yeah, your family. Yeah, for like a week yeah. and a half or something. And then he came to Denver. For New Year's. For New yeah. Year's, which was again so fun because he was with my family and all these things. And that was really fun. And I think that was also a kind of pivotal moment because we like planned our year together. Yeah. And it was kind yeah. of like was like well we're this was my subtle way of extending the contract <laughs> well we're gonna plan a book club and we're gonna pick books for the next 12 months you yeah. know and like we're gonna do all these different things and we're gonna do we them together great and it was almost this like it was just kind of like this starting to really i don't, I don't want to say accept but like really like come to own the fact that we were we doing this thing planning on staying together yeah. for the long haul you know which yeah yeah that, that goal setting as a couple is something was, that like seeking excellence needs to put out it was because awesome. it was fire we went through every all the seven pillars and set yeah. goals in each area shared them with each other went back and forth there were certain ones that he had that i added to mine and like you and know, vice versa and vice versa yeah we've we've bomb followed up on it to so check we, on them we were so, thriving. Yeah, we, we had a really great thriving. time there in Denver. We were top ready golf. to take on this semester. The and world. Both of us were like, you know, we we weren't sure if we were going to stay longer than this, just the semester. And 
we had had all these goals of being really present to the community here and you really wanted to be present to your students here and and just try to kind of get after it because our fall was a little you know rough with the quarantine and all these different things and travel transition Um, but we were like okay when we get back to school we're set we get back to Atchison we're gonna like really hit it hard let's get it I got back we got back and then I started, you know, I had a great planning meeting with my RAs for my job and, mm-hmm. and we had all these plans for what we could do for the semester. We're going to crush it. We're all excited. That was on a Tuesday and Tuesday. then school started on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We had classes Thursday, normal day, Friday night, we're hanging out. Mm-hmm. And some of my freshmen have been asking me to play basketball with them. And so I'm like, Hey, and you know, I'm like, we've just been hanging out. I'm like, you know, I know you're not going to be pumped, but like, <laughs> it's like eight 30 at night or something. I'm like, some of these guys want me to go play basketball. Do you mind if Which, I go? And we had talked about that. I feel like you spending more time with the students yeah. and, and different things like that. So. And so we're like, yeah, let's go up there. Let's get it. And then, mm-hmm. yeah. So we're playing basketball. And then Emily got an unforeseen, unexpected phone call about an hour 45 later. Yeah, I had put my pajamas on. I was yeah like, Nona, which is her grandmother name <laughs> my grandmother that i name. gave her is getting ready for bed at, you know uh, 8:45, circa 10 15 and... yeah <laughs> on a friday night yeah and i call her and i'm like hey i need you to come pick me up and give me a ride and, and she, honestly i looking back i was so rude i was like can somebody else take you yeah this this turd is like <laughs> can somebody else come get you and i'm like are you kidding me here i, I am she has no idea what's happened but i'm just like emily I need you. To I need. Get I need you. I need you. And so, so I had a to- super torn Achilles. Super torn Achilles. We didn't know just at the time. Exploded, exploded. Just blew up in he, my calf. Yeah. And so I'm like, Em, I need you to come get me. And I was actually gonna walk home to try to avoid calling her, but I had slipped, almost slipped and icy. fell on the ice. Yeah, because yeah. it was like sleeting that night. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, Emily, Murray, I need you right now. <laughs> you to drive your car over here and drive me literally like 200 feet back to my building so i run out get him to this building and he like, goes okay. yeah he goes to his room to you know to shower and, and i'm like googling trying to figure out what this yeah. is you know i'm trying to google everything that he's telling that he had explained to me of what he was feeling and what i was walking on it looking yeah back now. well it even said i mean some of like the webmd stuff said that you could walk on it listen can i just sound tough yeah you were tough you no, so everything tough. said you can never walk on it it's excruciating pain i was like the toughest man in the world at that moment ignore what she just said seth edit that out this is so false <laughs> i got really close to the thing there How dare you? um you were so tough though thank you yeah you're welcome and so anyways, I'm reading all these different things and everything is telling me it's a torn Achilles. Every, everything's telling me you need surgery, go to, the, go to the emergency room immediately, all this different stuff. Alert, alert. So um, he, we decided to go to the emergency room and That's it was literally, he was laying on the, on the yeah, gurney in there or whatever yeah, the for bed. the bed in Hospital there bed. for maybe a minute before the doctor. We were in and out. Of the we were CR. in and out. It was so fast. Like it was one of the quickest hospital yeah, experiences of my life and um she oh, she yeah. already oh he got the chills yeah just thinking bad, about it bad again. thoughts um she immediately diagnosed him with a torn achilles and said he had to see the surgeon and have surgery within the week and six days later it happened six days later there was surgery I had surgery mama crane um, came to town yeah and that that whole experience nathan my don't, bad. don't play around with the pen <laughs> here's the guy who tells me that i can't like bang the the chair while we're podcasting this is all distraction (laughs) okay let's stick to the story here okay um we're just being real here okay bantering this is it um so uh, yeah that that those first few days oh my gosh we're so hard i just remember like i remember i couldn't do anything 
And you were, you were in so much pain. Yeah. I remember leaving you at night, just like being so upset. Like I would cry. I was, I was in tears almost every night leaving you because it was just like so hard to see you in pain. I'm going to start, I'm like tearing up right now. Anyways, (laughs) which is classic. Um, It was so hard to see you in pain. And I was just like, it was for the first time really experiencing like you, the pain of another person that you cared so deeply for. Mm -hmm. And like, and almost like feeling like you could feel that pain kind of, you know, yeah. they often, you know, people often talk about that co-suffering. with their spouse or their kids yes. or things like that. of like that co-suffering, like you said, um, it was really, it was really intense time. And given Nathan's kind of set up here in his apartment, he, it's really hard for him to get around. And so I was coming, you know, every day at lunch to make him lunch every, every night doing all the different things, um, while we were trying to figure that out. And then, he went into surgery, which I joke was the most adult day of my life because it was. I was the person that the doctors called when he came out of surgery. My you know, emergency I was, contact. I was his emergency contact. I was the one who was with him till they wheeled him back into the room and everything like that. And, you know, had to take him all drugged up back to his house yeah. and stuff. Um, and so it was, it was a really, those first few days were really rough. Um, and I was so tired. Like I was, I really, I think I burnt myself out a little bit of, of doing a lot of different things and working and, and whatnot. Yeah. And so that was really rough, but it was awesome when your mom was able to come and, and help yeah. out a little bit, but yeah. Explain kind of the first few days, I guess, for you on your side. Yeah. I mean, it sucked <laughs> a lot basically. And I had these nerve blockers put in to my leg, yeah. uh, before the surgery and, uh, yeah, they just, they wear off eventually is what I learned. Right. And I didn't have strong enough medicine to cover that, right. cover that gap. Yeah. And so then we had to get stronger medicine and stuff. And it was, yeah, it was just really painful. I mean, just trying to learn how to manage all of that. Um, and I think just any big injury, any surgery, like people talk about the need to learn like dependency on others, right? you know, and just becoming like so dependent on, on you and my mom for the first 10 days or so. And then on you pretty much exclusively and your RAs shout out to the RAs and my RAs. Yeah. Yeah. They were huge. So they were, they were big helps during this would mm-hmm. tuck me into bed every night basically. <laughs> Cause I wasn't ready to go to bed when no one I was ready to leave. So <laughs> I had to get them to help me at like 11 or midnight and yeah, it was just crazy. So it was, it was really tough, but I think we, we still have, we have those pictures from the time that was, I don't know, six weeks probably after surgery or mm-hmm. something like that when I was in the boot, but would go into the splint sometimes at nighttime. Yeah. And it was so awesome because you would have to wrap it. Emily would have to wrap my splint up mm-hmm. for me. And it was like, just kind of always having this moment of like Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, you know, and just like the level of service that you had to go to. And I've, I've talked to people before about like, just your desire to do everything you did well, really meant a lot to me, you mm-hmm. know, of like learning, all right, how, what direction do you want your sandwich cut? And <laughs> what do you like in your eggs? You know, like, was this too much salt and pepper in it or not enough, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, just figuring out like the details of that, where most people could have been like, I'm just going to pick you up McDonald's every morning. You can bet mommy back. And then, you know, we'll figure out, make frozen pizza every night. Like you were still like making meals a lot of times, two meals. Cause you were doing whole 30 still. Oh gosh. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. We had done whole 30 together. Yeah. We had started it together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, just seeing that was so it was super cool. And so I love that pictures, the pictures that we have for that, uh, just being able to capture that moment, you know, because it was so important. And for me was almost like my coronavirus or mm-hmm. your coronavirus situation. Right. You know what I mean? Where I was just like, wow, we definitely hit some friction at the beginning when the injury first happened. Right. But once we kind of solved that and had some, you know, good crucial conversations in the midst of that, it was like, 
we uh really hit a groove and I was just like I love the way this woman responded to this I love the way that you took care of me yeah and that was where I kind of hit my big moments of like she could definitely be the mama to my kids (laughs) you know it was such a, a beautiful time of um yeah the Lord calling selflessness yeah yeah. me into service in a sense and like and then also you were able to serve in different ways as well and like be there for me and it was just really funny how if I ever needed to you know vent about something or there's anything that you could do or I was I was applying for something and you were like really wanting to help me proofread it it, and edit it and stuff because you're like this is the least I can do for you in this time and it's just this beautiful like time of of being selfless and and giving of ourselves to each other and just really diving deep into that life of service and the life of sacrificial love. And um, yeah, I started to notice even, and I don't know if I've even really talked to you about this too. It was just like, it just like brought such like a pure love into our life as well because we were like serving each other in such a way too, you know, like, like there wasn't ever, like, I think any, any temptations to lust that might've been there before, honestly in a lot of ways went away because we were like loving each other in such a pure form yeah. and in such a real it's crazy form how that's continued and it's continued you know I mean? since by yeah. the grace of god and- like in if we're being real here of like of like really like being so strong against temptations against t- chastity or anything like that yeah. it was like that's that so time true. of like self-sacrifice and service brought us to a period of like not needing anything that was you know taking you know from yeah. the other person because it was sense. just such good love yeah and so it's such pure, holy, wholesome love. Nevertheless, we were still like 80, 20 max of you carrying the weight of the team. Yeah, which <laughs> is sure. hard. Yeah. And so you you were really carrying it. And I think that we kind of hit, it came to a head on uh, Valentine's Day Eve. Eve. And so this is a great this Emily had so to funny. challenge Nathan moment. Yeah. So, <laughs> and to be fair, and I think this is really important to, to recognize as well, is that this was, I mean it's crazy looking back now because the days felt like weeks, you know, but it's like, that was like three weeks after surgery. Right. Which is insane. Right. You know what I mean? It was like 24 days, 23 days after surgery, which thinking now that I'm three and a half months out of surgery and just finally able to walk without a crutch with the boot on still and a heel insert. It's, it's like, that still seems like it was so fresh and it was, you know? And so I was, I was really in this kind of like depressed state at that point. Like I was struggling. Mm -hmm just to do anything. Like I didn't have any inspiration to podcast. I, didn't ha- mm-hmm. I couldn't podcast. So I didn't have any motivation to do almost anything. I got to give a few talks in the midst of that time. And they were all like needed before you got hurt. And so it was right. like, it was so almost like we just like, committed to. it was like, we p- just pushed through basically. And, and then it was you, painful. And you like died afterwards. Up. Yeah. yeah. And like, the one talk like... you gave, I had to take him back. We were speaking at Seek. I had to take him back to the hotel and he slept for four hours that afternoon after yeah. like giving one men's talk in the morning. You know, sitting on a chair. Yeah, sitting on a chair. Yeah. My boot. Yeah, it was crazy. And so it was a really tough time. But nevertheless, Emily challenged me in the midst of all. Can you imagine this? I'm struggling. You know what I mean? Post surgery. And no, I'm just kidding. So Emily <laughs> says on February 13th, Valentine's Day, I think it was on a Sunday. I right. Think so, yeah. so it was like There's Saturday. Going on. And you're like, well, the funny part was you were, my sister wanted to come hang out with us. And yeah. She had, she, forgotten she wasn't in a relationship and she had forgotten it was valentine's day and so she wanted to hang out with us and nathan just like i was asking him about it and he turns to me and because in my mind i'm like oh does he have anything planned for valentine's day like you can still figure out things to do even if we can't go anywhere you know like that's what i'm thinking in my it mind it actually might have been friday or something like that yeah i think it was friday we were talking about should mary come saturday or sunday yeah, saturday or sunday something like that but 
Um, but and I was like, it doesn't matter. He was like, well, Both it doesn't really matter. Like, we're not doing anything. We have nothing it's going not like on. We can do so. anything. Yeah, it's not like and to, <laughs> you know, and to go back to what I was saying, like there was a certain level of like an almost justified self pity in that because I was like, I can't do anything. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And it kind of it was. I mean, it's it's so relevant to so many things we talk about, right? Like even just the general victim mentality that's gripped America, yeah, right, in our society sure. and, and our generation especially. And it's like, that's okay for a certain point, for a certain right. amount of time. But you were kind of calling me out and you had to call me out pretty much every like three weeks. Yeah. Until now, kind of, yeah, right? Yeah, because it just, it's like, okay, dude, like you can't do everything, but like you can do some stuff. Right. Right. So and I remember to, being like, well, you didn't plan anything for Valentine's Day. Right. It was my first Valentine's like, Day in a relationship do, in years. You know? yeah. yeah. And I'm just like super upset. And we fought. Like it you wasn't fight, like, yeah. a, it wasn't like a, you brought that up. And I just like was like, Oh, you're right, honey. I could. I was just like, "What are you talking about? Like, yeah. you can't do anything. I can't go anywhere. I can't do. You know, yeah. like I was like really in it. But one of the best parts about our relationship is both of our abilities uh, to to step back from a, a disagreement that we have and like really consider, pray with, and discern the other person's point of view. Yeah. Because I mean, we have a lot of stuff to get into that might have to be a part three on this <laughs> of things that we disagreed on that we ended up. Um, coming to you know an agreement on later yeah. on and this was one of them yeah. and it was just like i sat with it on saturday i don't think we really talked about it and then it was like saturday night i think it was the next morning like i think you sat with it that night was it saturday yeah i think it was the next morning at some point Anyways, or whatever point, i have yeah. a ch- i have a change of heart and i stayed up super late the night before valentine's day and created this whole thing that we were gonna do it was like a whole schedule like an for agenda. the day an agenda for the day yeah once she got here from mass and like we would have communion delivered to me and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, that time. Okay, yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. And so you got home, you got here from mass and I was like, here's what we're going to do today. And we had like this whole plan. Oh my gosh. And it was super, I mean, it wasn't like it was, it was so fun. extravagant. It yeah. wasn't expensive. I think it was just, I think it's important to recognize that because in pursuing uh, at least a virtuous woman, like you don't have to, it doesn't have to be, mm-hmm. you know, expensive. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have, it's just really about the intentionality. So and you were just intentional. glad to, I had done a lot of research. I looked up a lot of different things and fun stuff that we could do together and things that we would enjoy and ways that we could learn about each other's love languages and yeah. play games and watch yeah. your favorite movie and, and yeah. things like that, you know? It was the and best And managed day. to get you flowers. Yeah. Yeah. He got somebody to go get me flowers and a little gift. And one of the best ideas I had. Tell me. The letter writing. Oh, yeah. The letter writing was the best. And that's Gosh, where. So good. That's where. <laughs> with a little with a little help, huh? That's right. There you go. Just a little gentle encouragement. <laughs> gentle but, I mean, encouragement. You just push me out of the nest every now and then. And I go. just end up flying until I crash and burn a few weeks later. And then you've got to <laughs> give me a week. And then she pushes me out of the nest again. And we're just going to do that for the next 50 no, years. No, you have to That's give yourself more credit than that. <laughs> um, but Nathan no had us writing. write yeah, letters. Tell about that. Yeah. So he, one of the things on the agenda was we were going to write love letters to each other. And there were four prompts or questions or different things. And a lot of it was reflecting on what we liked about each other, what were our favorite memories together and different things like that. And um, I gave us a time. It was like it was 30 time, minutes. We had 30 minutes to write it. And we both pulled out our laptops and we were just typing away. And then and we, we read them. And then we had to read them out loud to each other. And oh my gosh, those letters. And this is something that we've got often gone back to is that was like the first very clear, very real time where we were both like, yeah, I want to be with you for the long haul kind of, you know? Yeah. And, um, where we were able to finally kind of open up about that. And it was reciprocal. It was on both sides. We were very much on the same page with that. And I think it was the buildup of everything we had been experiencing up until that point. Yeah. Um, and 
yeah, they were, it was just really fun to read those letters. I was actually just looking at yours this morning, which is funny. I found it. That is so cute. So cute. And um, yeah, do you have anything else you wanted to share? Because I know that was really impactful for you specifically too. Definitely. Given everything that I, like with me resisting for so long. Yeah. And then finally she's like, team Nathan. You know I mean? <laughs> Not finally. I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you were fully, you were like, I'm ready to sign for life. Where, where's the document? Where's the document? And I'm like, easy killer. You know what I mean? We're just... <laughs> Only been dating for how long though? I'm just kidding. But anyways, we were yeah. The letters were great. We shared a ton of good stuff in there, and we actually had been pretty good up until Valentine's Day, and very intentional and prudent about being pretty emotionally chaste. Yeah, and like we were not the people who were like talking about kids' names and no, things like that. Um, we were like pretty good about you know talking about like how many kids would you want to have and like what do you think for the future and general things that getting to know each other yeah, yeah you know for discernment but none of the stuff that's emotionally unhelpful and <laughs> yeah. also practically unhelpful you know and unnecessary yeah but that day we kind of like were like so where you at you know and like yeah. this let these letters really helped to clarify that and so it was really cool and in that moment the floodgates were open the floodgates were open though and then we planned our wedding the next two weeks no, we before didn't. we got engaged um <laughs> but we, it was it was really both of us just like it was like almost it was a i can't even put words to how it felt to just be like well this is it you know yeah we're going for it let's get it let's get it and here we are yeah super engaged but um yeah we are super engaged but yeah that was valentine's day engaged. and that valentine's day i was probably my favorite memory i've had with you yeah you know yeah it's kind of funny thinking back to in the letters we were writing our favorite memories but that was hands down one of the best days we just had such a good day together it was, it was great it was so simple yours, it was yours, so beautiful you're a little biased because you could walk at the time and didn't have pain but i think that you know <laughs> it was also a really good day for me <laughs> despite the setbacks i don't know if i'd go back if i could relive anyone and pick that one because of the circumstances but but because of the circumstances we are, where we are you know? yeah yeah no. I'm just, I'd probably go the sunset walk on the beach before I go to I agree, the, I agree. <laughs> the Achilles pain. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But I think it was really good. And so we kind of fast forwarded the next like six weeks were just baller. Yeah. Pretty much like, just, yeah, yeah, like those We setbacks. were in a groove for sure. And we, we just had kind of hit it. I was it. still making lunches and dinners and I was just, you know, joyful doing that. And if it was getting more mobile, more. But we got like accepted to Augusta Institute, offered a scholarship, the salary yeah. moving to Denver. Salary like, moving to Denver. A lot was kind of popping off in that time. All that different stuff. Um, you started applying for your job. Applying for jobs. We were, we were pretty set on going to Denver and it was just like, all right, this is the next move and we're doing it together. And, you know, since we're moving to another city together and stuff it was probably obvious that we were going to be getting he's staring at my ring <laughs> you know we were going to be getting scheming he started scheming and i um well i guess how long was it after valentine's day that i gave you the ring two or three weeks yeah so maybe two or three weeks after valentine's day you proposed to me so i have i we've shared this a little bit on our instagram story but i had this uh ring that my grandmother gave me when i was little and i'm very close with my grandmother my nana she actually is named nana yeah. so that's where we get Nona for me but um my mom's mom she's my only grandparent that I've known for most of my life and we're very close and her confirmation or her name is this my confirmation saint which is saint Rosalia which is a small um Italian saint and so Nana had given us some jewelry she was getting rid of some jewelry she gave my sister and I some jewelry when we were younger and there was this ring in it that was you know plastic and 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 nothing too special. But when I was little, I used to always pretend like it was an engagement ring and my whole, the whole rest of my life, it kind of just was like up until this point was almost a symbol of, for me of my future spouse. 
And I would always think of it, you know, as an engagement ring and my friends in college, they would say, you know, you should have your future spouse, make a replica of that ring someday, or try to find a ring like that someday. But I had always vowed to myself that I would never tell the per I would never tell a guy about it until I was sure it was the person. Um, so it was a really big moment for me to like give Nathan the ring and tell him that story. And so you, you know, basically all but dropped the one day. I had prayed about <laughs> it. Me to marry you. <laughs> this is what he, this is the big joke that he always says. That this is what happened. Person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess in a sense, based on everything you just said, I'm just, right. this is just deductive reasoning. This is just, on my yeah. End, right. For sure, for sure. I'm not making any assumptions here. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Um, but I mean, even when I, when I studied abroad, I went to the shrine of this saint and, um, in Italy, the women of Italy go to that shrine. Apparently I found out later and pray for future spouses or if they can't conceive a child. And, um, so I like prayed for him there, all this different stuff. And so it was like a really big thing. So I gave him the ring one night knowing that stuff was coming. And that was, um, a huge moment for me just be like, yeah, here he is. Here I am. Yeah. And then what'd you do? And then I went ring shopping like four days later <laughs> uh, with Mary. So I, I worked it out My for sister. her. Yeah. yeah, for her friends um, to take her shopping yeah. in uh, that one Saturday. And so I basically like coordinated with them and she had a bunch of stuff going on that day. And so I know that Emily's very distractible when she's excited. And yeah. so I just was like, just do all the things that she loves. And she just won't even think. I was like, she won't even think about me. And that's exactly how it worked. And so uh, Emily has no thought of me on her mind. I'm out here uh, buying her engagement ring with, with Mary. Which was critical because I, you know, I've always wanted my engagement to be a surprise. And in my mind, if I had ever had an inkling that he was maybe starting to propose or he was like going to propose, even the day he proposed, you know, it popped in my head that it might happen. But I was like, well, I know he doesn't have a ring because I'm with him all the time. Yeah. And I know he's not gone to Kansas City to get a ring because I've like known where he is at all times, basically, you know, in a sense, but he had snuck out and yeah, I was, he had me doing all the things I loved. So I was distracted and heck yeah, yeah, had no idea. So I get my way down there. We get the ring. We only looked at one ring. It was just a beautiful thing. We showed him the ring that you gave me and he's like, I'll be right back. And so shout out to Shanko, my dude at Shanko, Eric at Shanko in Kansas City comes back with this white ring. And we're like, that's literally, that's literally it's it. So like perfect. that's the it looks diamond exactly. version of what I'm holding. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was great. And so Mary, I was like, dope, that was easier than we thought. And so then we went out to lunch. We had this buffalo chicken spinach <laughs> dip, bro. Can you imagine? This is what they always talk. They talk about the buffalo dip on the time believable <laughs> buffalo chicken spinach dip you just said buffalo dip okay, you well, gave it no respect you talk about it literally anytime we tell the engagement story can i tell the people dip. about the yeah buffalo. go for it thank yeah. you sorry <laughs> thank you buffalo chicken spinach dip unbelievable changed my life <laughs> right so it took a great day made it even greater right mary and i had a great time we get back i'm dying to not tell emily yeah about all of this right, right. like it was the hardest thing in the world even like, the dip you probably were even more dying even the dip. About the dip yeah Oh my gosh. I was, yeah, it was a hard, it was a hard time. So we worked it out though. We uh, kept it secret. And then Easter weekend was the plan. And I knew that I had her because she didn't know that I went shopping. Yeah. That was the biggest one. And he was still on crutches. That was another thing that was kind of, I was, yeah. Keeping me from thinking that at least one. Propose. Yeah. Yeah. And so we did a little photo shoot after mass on His Easter. His mom was there, was with my family. Yeah, my mom really wants to take a picture after mass. You my dad and brother had driven through the night to get back to Denver, and I had no idea Yeah. why. I just thought they were coming back for Easter. Right. Yeah. It was fun. And so, yeah, so we take photos, and then I basically spring into action after yeah. a picture of you and me. Yeah. And then you slap me across the face. And I did not. There's a video. I 
Okay, when you watch the video, first of all, I was just so like surprised. I could not believe it. Yeah. I could not believe it was happening. That's true. And I was just kind of like, I was so shook. Yeah. Um, but I was happy that I was able to have like a mentality. I've always like wanted in the proposal to like have the moment to like pay attention to the guy rather than the ring, you know, in that moment and oh, stuff. Yeah. And that was something that was always really important to me. So praise the Lord. Meanwhile, I still I'm was like, able look to look at the ring. Yeah, I know. And I was just <laughs> like, like, no, I, just I, really was like, no, I want to kiss you. I want to yeah. thank you, you know, first yeah. and stuff. And then I was, when I saw it, I was like, there is a funny yeah, exactly moment where you actually look at it. You're just like, wow, this is awesome. I was like, it's just like, yeah, it was awesome. It was such a good day. It was really cool. And then in the next 48 hours, we planned the whole wedding. Yep. Because <laughs> we're both very type A and we just went with it. And we just got after it. We got after it. But we still have lots to do, obviously. Yeah, for sure. A lot of time to prepare. But one month in, we one got month. the date picked. One month in today. Yeah. Yeah. Legit. Well, four weeks at least. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy. Which so the date should we can we share it on yeah, the podcast? I mean, absolutely. I posted about it yesterday. But um, what's so fun about if you remember from last podcast, Saint Joseph was really pivotal in our life and in our the beginning of our, our relationship. And so I had seen, you know, that next year Saint Joseph feast day, March nineteenth, was going to be on a Saturday, um, and it was just really good timing, I think, with the proposal and everything like that, um, to get married on Saint Joseph's feast day. March 19th. March 19th in St. Mary's Church. In St. Mary's Church, we have the Holy Family just all over us. Church is booked. Yeah. Venue is going to be booked tomorrow. Yeah. Half the registry basically done. Yeah. Guest list complete. For the most part. A whole mass planned out. (laughs) Readers, bridal party, everything. (laughs) Crushing it. We're ahead of the We could have thrown it together. We could have thrown it together for the fall, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it'll be good. So we're excited. March 19th, St. Joseph's Feast Day. Pray for us. Pray for us, please. And so, yeah, it's been really great being engaged. 12 out of 10 recommend. It has been a blast. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't think we're going to have time to go into these other bonus topics, but Uh, we will get into those on another time. I'm planning on keeping you around for a while, so I'm sure we'll be able to record again. Hey, I'll be here. (laughs) You know where to find me. Any closing thoughts or last things you want to share with this one? Um, I don't know. I think I, a lot of what I said at the beginning, again, is just, we want to be real with you guys. And like in the way that I had kind of been so resistant to Nathan because of my attachments, because of my expectations and all these different things, I don't want anybody out there to, to go through a similar thing. Like I would love to kind of save you from feeling like you have to hold out for an absolutely perfect person, or you have to like look for flaws in somebody else. Um, in order to not settle or anything like that, you know, um, while we need to have high expectations and high standards of the people in our life, it is important to, to also be open and to be open to how the Lord, um, who the Lord brings into your life and who he, who that person makes you be as well. You know, like you've drawn so much out of me. You have Mm -hmm. made me be way more of myself than anybody in my life truly has. Um, and, in kind of letting go of my pride and in humbling myself in a lot of ways, I was able to see that. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to do that. And I'm so grateful that Nathan never let me get away with it either. He pursued me so well and kept fighting for me and kept fighting for what he saw in us. Um, and it was such a gift, you know? So that's kind of my little advice to everybody out there who's listening to this. Um, yeah. Be wary of those things, pay attention to those things. Um, and just really yeah, be open to what the Lord brings into your life and who he brings into your life. That was really good. Thanks. I kind of don't want to say anything else because I feel like I ruined it. <laughs> no. 
but I'm going to anyways. Go, but you're going to rock it. I think that was awesome. I 100% agree. And I think, you know, something we touched on a little bit today that, you know, maybe we'll talk about more down the line is uh, just struggling at times with all these different things, right? Pride, chastity, argumentativeness, judgmentalism, you know what I mean? Like just struggling with all of those things, but um, especially when it comes to just struggling with chastity and not just struggling with chastity as in like constantly falling, but just like the struggle of the temptation, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you find somebody who you're incredibly attracted to, who mm-hmm. you're best friends with, who you want to get married and do all those, you know, all the married mar- mar- things, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, you know, like having breakfast together and stuff. What were you talking? <laughs> okay, no. Um, so when you think, you know, when you have that, it's easy to want to um, to give in, mm-hmm. right? To say, well, we can just go a little. Now we're engaged. We can go a little bit further, right? Like mm-hmm. we can draw the line. We can push the line back a little bit, or it would be just really convenient for us to live together when we right. move to Denver. You know? Yeah. Um, but there's just been this quote that's been really stuck in my mind lately that I've been rightfully or wrongfully attributing to Marcus Aurelius because I don't have the book with me that uh, I got the quote from. But it's, it's basically says that it is a lie to believe that there's a difference between doing what is right and doing what is advantageous. Mm. And I think if you can take that mentality, you can put that towards your relationship to say, all right, it's not just, um, it's not just, it's not just about trying to be right all the time, right? Or it's not just trying to be um, self-satisfying mm-hmm. or to fulfill my my lust or my temptations right or my body's desires or um, what you know what I think this person should do all the time or how I think they should feel um, but just really when you recognize that loving is to to will the good of the other person right and to as I talked about in the Damon Owens podcast about preparing for marriage of trying to make myself a gift to you and vice versa mm-hmm. and so anybody who's single dating engaged married like your goal is to be uh, the best, like to make yourself the best gift that you can give to the other person, mm-hmm. right? Because this is the person that I'm looking at right now that I love more than any other human being that I've ever known. You know, you're my best friend. Mm-hmm. We're going to be married. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. You're going to be the mother of my children, God willing. And uh, it's just so important to recognize that you're fighting for that person far before right now, you know, and the moments that we got to have where, uh, where I did well and led us, you know, through the COVID quarantine and the times where I didn't do well and was slacking before Valentine's day, the way that I responded to both of those situations, the things that I did, uh, were a buildup of, you know, moral courage and virtue and leadership for years before that, mm-hmm. right. The hard work that happened years before that, the way that you responded in your selflessness and your service throughout my injury, you know, was not something that you magically right. acquired the time that it happened. Right. Um, God didn't especially touch your heart right when mm-hmm. my, my Achilles tore, you know, um, you build up for that. You prepare for those moments. You prepare for the great battles and the challenges that you're going to face in your life. And just, just want to reiterate, you know, and just close with that. It's worth it. It's worth the sacrifice. It's worth uh, staying up late to go to the chapel. It's worth reading the extra books. It's worth going to the gym to develop the mental toughness. It's worth starving through ranger school. It's worth whatever you have to go through to become the person you're supposed to be so that you can create the relationship that you want, so that you can build the family that God's calling you to create, and so that we can actually start to change the world and change the church in a powerful way. And so now that Emily's crying, we're going to go ahead and call it. <laughs> go ahead and call so it. So many tears. Well, thank you for that. That was amazing. Yeah. I have nothing else. I'm glad that I lived <laughs> up to it. the expectation. That's awesome. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Seeking Excellence podcast. As always, it's been a pleasure 
spending this time with you. And we hope that you got a lot from this. We love hearing your feedback, whether you email us, message us on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Uh, we love to hear from you. We love, we love to hear it. what, you, yeah, we love to hear what you got. I know it's so funny. We were talking the other day about how people reach out and they'll be like, I hope this isn't weird, but I loved your podcast. And it's like, dude, we get, you know, Pumped. negativity. We get temptations. Yeah. We get spiritual warfare. Like it's great to hear the positive feedback. I have a whole uh, album on my phone and, and a folder in my email of just the feedback that I get from people for when you're feeling low, you're feeling unmotivated. Uh, you need that little push to do it. So thank you to everybody who supports us. Thanks to everybody who's praying for us. And uh, yeah, I just hope that you'll subscribe. If you enjoyed this, share it with somebody else. Um, and then follow Seeking Excellence on Instagram. Follow Emily on Instagram. You'll see plenty of the behind the scenes of us <laughs> living our lives together. Me posting pictures that Emily begs me to take down after. Um, if you're trying to see that and stuff. And he never does. So Rarely does. Me. Rarely does. Oh, you did once. It's yeah, happening. you're right. You're right. I did once. Rarely. Rarely. Yeah. Humbles me. Let's get it. Brings me to Praise God for you building a virtue. <laughs> Amen to you're that. You're the best. Well, thank you, everyone. And we <laughs> hope you see you soon. Be your best.